0: Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com.
1: Oh, yeah. Welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. I am your host, Viper, the man about tech, executive producer of social media here at the IQ. And I got a question for you. Do you know what your ratio is in your YouTube analytics as it relates to the percentage of people that are subscribed to your channel versus the people who watch your content who are not subscribed to your channel? Chances are, for most of us, when you go into your YouTube analytics and you locate that ratio, which I believe is located in the audience tab in your analytics, most of you will find that the majority of people that are watching your content on YouTube are not subscribed to your channel. So why am I bringing this up today on the podcast? I want you all to understand that when you make a video on YouTube and you put it out there, sometimes you all put content out there for your subscribers. You are expecting that your subscribers have watched all your videos. And if you're doing like a series or a playlist or something like that, you are expecting that they know what happened in the previous video. But I just told you that most people who are watching your videos have never watched your channel before. They're not subscribed. So what I want you all to think about when you're creating content from now on is that when you upload a video and when you're making the video, treat it as if the person that you're making it for has never seen your content before at all. I remember back when I was growing up watching Michael Jordan play and he did an interview one time and he literally said that When he went out there on the basketball court, he knew that every night that he went out there, there was one person in the stadium that had never seen him play before, and he wanted to play well and give that person something to remember that night that they were in the stadium. And I need you all to have that same mindset when you are creating content. Every time you create a video on YouTube, someone who has never seen your video before will watch your content. Create a memory for them. So that way, they'll be willing to come back to your content and watch you and become a subscriber. Today on the podcast, we have a returning guest. We have social media marketer and businesswoman, Desiree Martinez, and coming to the show. And she's going to talk about the stuff that she's been doing lately. And she's also going to talk to us about a virtual event that she has, and she's hosting coming up soon. So it'll be good to catch up with her, get her thoughts on the latest trends that are going on. Out there in the creative space with YouTube and YouTube Shorts and all that stuff. So with that intro out of the way, let's bring in Miss Desiree and let's roll to the podcast. Welcome back to Tube Talk, presented by VidIQ. And this week we have a special returning guest. We have social media marketer and business savvy woman here. We have Miss Desiree Martinez back in the building. Hello, Desiree. How are you?
2: I'm so excited to be here yet again to talk about all my favorite things in the world, content creating
1: and making money. <laughs> Absolutely. And we know you are all about making money. But here's the first thing I want to talk to you about now that we have reconnected again after a few months of you uh, not having been here.
2: Okay. Ready.
1: I was looking at your YouTube channel, right? Yep. And I noticed something immediately when I looked at your YouTube channel. And what I noticed, Desiree, is that it's been rebranded.
2: Yeah. it I used to be.
1: <laughs> yeah. It used to be the name of your agency, but now it's just your name. And it's only your faith. So talk about the rebrand and why that came to be.
2: You know, one of the things that we're always doing as content creators is we're just trying to figure out, like, what's the right path for us? What makes sense? How do we make the algorithm work for us? How do we make the people watch us and do the things? And I had made this, like, thought decision in, like, August, September of 2021. that I was like, I really want to free up my name. I had all these projects in the pipeline, things I wanted to do and what I was, what I had planned. I was kind of like, it was like, there's a lot of things that are presented and I was like, I want to free up my name and like do more than just be Desiree, the social media person. I want to be able to like, let this YouTube channel exists, it's all in on one social media and just talk there. I've like, if I have this and I could like bring another guest, other people could do content. It was going to be a whole like vibe it was a whole situation. And what happened was uh, I didn't work out. Like that's like the TLDR version. The other thing though about it is it's like one of the things that when you look at all the people that do like social media marketing and agency work or offer services in general, they're usually attached to a human name first. and That human name is like a rep of the brand. So like the best example of this is Roger Wakefield, the expert plumber. His YouTube channel is Roger Wakefield expert plumber and it supports his business or what well, he sold it since then, but it's like Texas plumbing or something like that. And he is doing more things. And so when you're talking about how you can utilize YouTube it's about being an expert in something. And then like your name is like attached and then you can do all of these things under it. For me, I wanted to free up my name and like associate with something totally different just because I've been doing it for so long. And I didn't know what I wanted to do with my agency because like social media was in this super like weird place and it was for a while. And so when I sat down and I talked to some of my peers, I really respected and I just kind of like thought like, what could I do? How can I evolve this? I was like, it's okay for me to have a YouTube channel about social media, online marketing. It's okay for me to also be a person. And so that's what I've done. And so I rebranded back to Jose Martinez and I I kind of took away the quote unquote corporate look of what I was doing with like my thumbnails with like the gradient backgrounds and like the overly photoshopped AI sort of thumbnails and stuff and just really like kept it about me and like simple text on the screen And is really adjusting the strategy to be more like, let me bring you into my life and how I function and do things as a social media marketer, as a person that does these things. And then I'm giving you the lessons versus like 500 ways to do 500 things on 500 social networks. Like I'm getting it really away from like how to content, search based content and just trying to make people come back for me, but also letting my thumbnails and titles like draw them in through interest.
1: So I want to get into that a little bit more because you mentioned several times about how you want people to come back for you and how you want to put more of you on the channel. Yeah. Now, when you were branding it as your agency, you have multiple personalities making content and having their faith up front and uh, on the videos and, and on the channel. Yes. But now it's just you. So I want to talk to you. I want you to talk to us about the effect of having more than one individual at the face of your channel versus just having you at the face of your channel.
2: Yes. Okay. So... And I actually think we talked, I talked about this on a live stream that we did together with the vidIQ channel. And it's really kind of the idea, it's like, look, if someone else is going to be on this established channel, you need to still be a part of it. And I was testing not being a part of it. So I was drawing a lot of my inspiration from Social Media Examiner. So Social Media Examiner is like a news resource, essentially for all things social media, and like how to do things and how to function. And they talk kind of specifically to marketers. They're very corporate in like how they deliver things. And I was drawing a lot of my inspiration from them. Well, I realized that I really didn't want to do that. I don't want to be a news source. Like my objective isn't to get views to my website and get people to read and send up for emails and maybe come to my conference or whatever. Like my objective with my YouTube channel is to establish myself as an expert and get my information and also like overwhelm them with how hard social media is so that they just come to my agency and then we can do it for them. Like that's like the sales cycle of my YouTube channel. And I needed like in how I do everything and like, how I make my sales. Like in order for anyone to sign up for service, it has to start with me. Like we're having conversation. What are your needs? What are your struggles? Let me come up with a plan for you. Okay, now let me put you into the pipeline. And then the team steps in and they do their part. So when I'm talking about me versus like an agency, I'm the face of this. I'm This is my business. This is what I am doing. So it doesn't make sense for other people to lead on my channel. So like with the vidIQ example, I've done videos with Rob for the vidIQ YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And what we've done there is he leads me in. Then I give the info. He comes back a couple times, sometimes even two. And then he closes out the content, right? So it's like, it's still a part of it. And I wasn't, I was just straight up like, hey, friends that are experts in other things, here's my channel, make content, like a series that I can put on the channel because I don't know how to do these things. It just didn't work out. It was again, testing something and even like kind of like being inspired by other brands, what they were doing. And then my test so yielded, not the right choice.
1: (laughs) Gotcha, yeah. that's the beautiful thing about being a content creator and being on YouTube is that you have the ability, I should say we have the ability to do all types of testing. You can test just having you on your channel. You can test having multiple people on your channel. And then when you aggregate that data and you analyze it and you realize what's working and what's not working for the viewer, then you can take that data and you can make a decision and then take that decision and let that guide the direction that you take your channel. So I probably want you to talk about that because I just thought it was interesting uh, the way that worked.
2: Yeah, I think it's important always test and remember sometimes the tests don't go the way you hope or planned that's right. why it's important to adapt and adjust
1: absolutely which brings us to an event that is happening very near in the future this year has gone by very quickly but i think in about two or three weeks you are hosting a virtual event i think it's the woman of video event correct yes. can you tell us a little bit more about that
2: yeah so I mean, my journey to YouTube has been really interesting. Like, I've been a social media marketer since 2009. And I got onto YouTube because my husband was in the Air Force and we had orders to move overseas. And I was like, how am I supposed to grow my agency that I've had for about a year or two? I don't have a way to get leads. And so I got onto YouTube and just kind of figured it out. I had some great guidance through like Amy Landino, where she talks with her book, Vlog Like a Boss, which has been really instrumental to how I got started and just really have loved being a creator. And I noticed when I went to go learn more and do more, it was just a bunch of dudes. And there's nothing wrong with any of these. Rob was one of them. And there are so many other really great male YouTube creators. So I was like, they also weren't agencies or business or service providers. They weren't women. They didn't understand like dealing with children and schedules and limitations of. So I was like, well, where are the women? And so I decided to launch Women of YouTube. We have rebranded to Women of Video in 2022. And very much around this idea of like, well, what are women doing? How are they overcoming things? How are they building brands and business? How are they making money? And I launched it at Vid Summit in 2019, October 2019. And if you ever have gone to Vid Summit, it is run by Daryl Eves and it's run by Mr. Beast. It's run by Sean Andorris. And they're all guys and they attract more guys. And so it really kind of perpetuates the cycle of lots of men because it's what they attract. Like you, you reflect what you attract. And so there was hardly any women at this event. And so all of the women that were there, we all kind of caught together and we were like, wouldn't it be really great if there's a creator event for women where we could like come together and learn from each other, especially because we have unique needs and unique obstacles that most men don't deal with, usually around money, usually around being on camera, security, children, and these sorts of things. And so we're like, let's create an in-person event. Then COVID happened. And so then I was like, well, we could do this as an in-person event. But we're talking again about testing things and failing and bad timing because we're kind of in a situation economically right now. Like we weren't able to make an in-person event happen. So we decided to do it virtually because we still want to offer value. So the women of video virtual event is focusing on helping women creators build economic impact and equality through education resources and community and our event is going to help women creators with growing their platform growing their money and growing their niche so that they're able to like find that success and before every all of the men tune out of this conversation, yes you can come too because allies of women are always welcome just know that all the speakers are women and they're talking to women but you can learn. So much from that. And like, for example, like within the vidIQ, like greater community with like Viper and, and Rob and Dan and stuff, I'm the one that comes on and talks about money because that's my favorite subject in the entire world. And that's why I create content. So it's like, there are a lot of really great perspectives and really great things that people are going to be able to learn by coming to the event and it's free. So womenofvideo.com to sign up, please. I'd love for you to be there.
0: This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's trend alerts tool. Think Google Alerts, but specifically for YouTube trends. This tool is great for planning your next video as it helps you stay on top of trending topics within your niche. Provided you have vidIQ installed on your Chrome or Firefox browser, you'll find it on the left-hand sidebar the next time you're in your YouTube studio. Once there, you can create an alert and enter keywords for it and set the parameters. So for example, I could have a channel that covers iPhones and I may want an alert that includes things like iPhone, iPhone 12, or even Apple Event. Then I can set up my alert to email me whenever a new video hits say 500, 1000, or even 10,000 views an hour. So if suddenly I get an email and see 20 new videos all talking about iPhone 27 rumors, and they're all each getting about 500 views an hour, I know that something's probably going down and I had better hit record. The Trend Alerts tool is free when you sign up with vidIQ, so visit vidIQ.com, install the extension, and start creating Trend Alerts today. So I think this is pretty awesome that you are putting on an event for women, but you're not
1: excluding men. You are saying, men, you can come, but just understand that this event is for women, put on by women. And I think that's pretty cool. But I have a question for you. Yeah. So you mentioned going to VidSummit 2019 and how it's run by Daryl Eve, Mr. B, Sean Duras. And obviously those are three dudes. And at the event, you saw a lot of men. You didn't really see too many women at the event. No. And I've noticed this during my five years as a creator as well, that especially in the tech community, men and women don't really do a lot of collaboration. And I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I try to change it up myself a little bit, but I've noticed this. So my question to you, Desiree, is would, do you feel the need that you would have to put on a woman, of video event if there was more collaboration in the space between men and women?
2: Okay. Yes. I think that, yeah, I want to say yes. I want to say no. So Okay. Should there be more collaboration across the board, whether it is by gender or racial background or like geographic location, hundred percent. Like I think that having collaboration, working together, is vital to the success of all brands because, like, women have a different perspective of how things are done than men. Women spend different than men. Women have different questions than men about stuff. Women have different ways and reasons as to why they do things than men yes, there are similarities and alignments, but it's still different. However, the thing that you run into in environments is that there are still, and and this is where like we have a long way to go culturally, at least in America, where there are a lot of jobs and stigmas around gender types. So women traditionally go into caregiving jobs and they're encouraged to like being a teacher, being a nurse. Those are the men are encouraged to go into more labor some activities or like math related things like engineering, technology and stuff like that. That's why there are literally segments in all industries that are male dominated for women. There's women in tech, there's women in voice, there's women in email, there's women in marketing, there's women in space, there's women in science, there's women in engineering, like there are all of these programs around it. There's a big push educationally to get women more into STEM activities, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, to teach them and, and show them to be there and stuff. We're also running into a lot of issues like from like a jobs perspective and pays perspective, women still make less money on the dollar than men for the most part. So like when we're talking about like engineering jobs, I think it's like 89% less, eighty-nine percent less, eighty nine cents on the dollar to their male counterparts. Talking about the creator economy, women make fifty-nine cents on the dollar compared to male creators. Like there's the data around this that supports that shows this. So it's kind of one of those things that we just have to kind of I think do better and be better in. You also run into the issue. And this is not something that happens to men nearly as often. And that is objectification. So there was a, when a, a YouTube creator I follow, or sorry, a TikTok creator. He talked about how he has a goddaughter. And a lot of his TikToks are like the crazy things his goddaughter says and does and stuff. And she's 14. And her mom, like a good mom does, like has her social media on the walk, like super high protected. Everything that happens, she knows she sees. And her, her daughter She's a freshman in high school. She's 14. She was asking her, mom, can I have my social media? And they talked long about it. They talked with her godfather, all these things. they said, yes, we think that you can do this. And within 48 hours of her getting access to her social media, making it public and stuff, she got numerous private messages from men commenting on her looks, saying inappropriate things, and doing inappropriate things to and for her on social media, she was actually causing her to lose her social media. Like, Sorry, baby, I love you. It's not that I don't trust you is I don't trust these people, these men on social network. So you're still talking about a predatory culture when it comes to online culture, especially because people can hide behind keyboards and screens. So I don't think most people would act that way publicly, but it's still something that happens. So until women also can feel safe in spaces, where they're not going to get comments on their videos about how pretty they are about being uh, sexually objectified or being told they're stupid or get back in the kitchen, which are all comments that every single woman that is in, has been on my podcast has dealt with. It's going to continue to be an issue.
1: Yeah. And I'm not here to downplay any of that. And it's definitely unfortunate. And Unfortunately, they kind of remind me of a recent on TikTok where women are filming in the gym after they're working out and you got a guy that's looking at them and different things like that. And then they're labeling these guys Jim creeps that they stare too long and different stuff like that. Now, in some instances, they are being creepy. But in some instances, they're not being creepy. And it's just like, it's hard, man. And I know it's hard for females. and I, Obviously, I can't speak for women because I'm not a woman. But just seeing and observing just what's happening to my fellow female friends in tech and people like you, I, I know it can't be easy. And I'm sorry that you're going through that. But I understand uh, why you feel like you got to have that safe space. And I'm glad that you are one to provide that safe space for women with your uh, conference.
2: And I, yeah, it's not just about it's not just about space. Space. It's a place to educate. And I think that one of the things, like, there are still male creators that are my peers that I have to interact with and engage on a regular basis and do things like we have the same sponsors even, and mm-hmm. they will be like, "Why does women of video even need to exist? Mm-hmm. Like, why does being a woman matter? Why well, shouldn't it just be about being the best? Or also, you know, things that are like." Well, they joke, well, time to go create men of video or men of YouTube. When is that going to happen? So it's just those kinds of things. And it's like, well, it's because you say that stuff that this is why this has to exist. Mm. There's a very gigantic reason why there is women in every industry for stuff like women in tech, women in space, all that kind of stuff because of this issue. And as long as it is an issue, these spaces, these organizations, these situations are all going to exist. And that's just like the reality of it. And we, on, on the podcast, do not focus one bit about man bashing. There's none of that. It's literally, tell me your story. Like, why do you create? How did you come across this life? What are you doing to have success in this space? How are you making money? What are things that you have overcome? Like, talking about men and bashing on them is not a part of what we're doing. Right. It's literally just a platform where it's like, okay, let's have focused conversations with women specifically about what they are doing. So other women can see themselves in spaces so they can feel like it's possible for them to be there as well.
1: I am glad you broke that down so eloquently as you broke that down, because it really answered the question that I had. And I asked you if there was more collaboration in the faith between men and women, would women in video need to exist? And you eloquently said it. Yes. Because of the way that men interact with women sometimes that even if it was a more collaboratory atmosphere, you still will need this woman in video space. So, you know, you can have that different avenue because even though we're trying to collaborate, women just have a different perspective on things than men and there needs to be that separation. And the other thing I've heard, and maybe you could back me up on this, whether or not it's true, I've had female friends tell me that when they're doing brand deals, like they've had to pretend to be men just to get the best deals and things like that. Is that something that you come across?
2: I have never had that happen. But also, like, I mean, I've never heard of that. I've heard of people that will have a man manager to represent them. Like, that's the biggest one I ever heard. And I don't think it's maybe it's subconsciously because like a man won't take no for an answer. A man does deal with the bullshit. There's also something to be said also for like a white man doing it too. like where there's that different kind of representation and sort of like that was like there's a joke. in with women, it's like have the confidence of a white man. Like, that's kind of the thing that like we will say to each other. Because it's a thing, like it's not again, not a criticism. It's a like, okay, like we can do this and get that there using these systems to our advantage as well. So I think it's really just about I think the best thing anyone that is listening can do is just support women creators. Like go listen to women of video podcasts. If you like a creator, like let's say you like Mr. Beast, go find female versions of Mr. Beast. If you like Marcus Brownlee or Viper. Go find female YouTube creators that are also creating this because they're going to provide you with a different perspective, a different style and a different insight into how things are. And and you can even say from the counter, like if you follow like mommy vloggers who talk about parenting or you talk about beauty creators, go find different kinds of beauty creators in the space that maybe are men or who are people of color that have different like skin complexion or hair from you and see like how they're creating and what they're doing and supporting what they have going on so that you can kind of get a more well-rounded perspective and more insights i think like the people that listen to this podcast are trying like how do i be a better creator and i think that's one of the ways that you can really learn how to be a better creator you're not going to be a better creator by watching the same big creators all of the time you're going to become a better creator by watching people even in the similar space who have different perspectives and different styles different backgrounds different ethnicities and different genders than you
1: absolutely so We know that this woman of video event is happening pretty soon, but we don't know. And what I hope we will give us some more details on Desiree is who is going to be speaking at this event. Who you got for us?
2: So we've got some really great speakers. So we have Jessica Stansberry talking about like creator life. She's one of our keynote speakers. We also have um, a woman named Maria Reed. She is an army wife. And she is the creator of Moving with the Military. She has a syndicated show that she does called Moving with the Military where she does room makeovers, home makeovers for veterans, service writers, families that have been affected through military life. And so she's going to talk about her journey of being able to like grow this big brand while having to move every two to three years and dealing with deployments and kids and all that kind of stuff. We have a lot of really great speakers talking about niche topics, like Ashton Tucson is coming. She's gonna be talking about how you can build up being a beauty creator. We have Devin Weber, who is the COO of Braille Skateboarding, which is the largest skateboarding brand on YouTube. She's gonna be talking to you about like taxes and money and protecting your brand because like that's what she does for them. We have so many different topics. I think we have like 12 money topics bunch of niches, a bunch of like platforms. So Modern Millie will be talking about Instagram. We have um, Melissa Hughes talking about TikTok. We have tons of YouTube educators like Salma and Meredith and Diana, all of them talking about YouTube growth and different things that you can do. We have some really great lunch and learns planned. We have a lunch and learn planned with Julie Riley from StreamYard talking about what a production studio looks like, how you can streamline your content creation process using a tool like StreamYard because for those who know is like is marketed currently as like a live streaming platform, but it's really evolved into this like video creator like studio instead, where like you can record videos and podcasts and webinars and all that kind of stuff. We have a really great podcast that's happening with Danielle Meadows, where she's been talking about how you can be creating a video podcast and what you need to know for doing that. Like we have so many great topics, so many great pieces to help you grow your money, grow your niche, and grow your platform.
1: That is awesome. That sounds like a, an amazing lineup of speakers. So I guess the next logical question, Desiree, would be, when is this event happening and how can we tune in if we want to do that?
2: So it's happening March 11th and 12th over the weekend. It's a Saturday and Sunday event. And we're going to have all the sessions going on at the same time, like three at a time. And you can go get your ticket, which is a free, free, free to do women of forward slash conference.
1: All right. And just for you guys to have that information, I will have that down in the show notes along with Death Ray's YouTube information and everything and our social. So definitely go down there and give it a look. So speaking of social media and different things like that, you've said the word podcast a few times in this particular podcast. And I want to talk to you about social audio. Yeah. Things like Twitter Spaces, Clubhouse. What are your thoughts on social audio?
2: Those are super niche specific. Like it requires a certain kind of person that like is interested in that. I listen to podcasts, when I am taking my kids to and from school, or if I'm going on errands. And I have a very select few to listen to. And I'm a huge audiobook nerd. Like I love to read. Something about having kids like mess up my brain and my inability to focus on books is really strong. <laughs> so I listen to audiobooks all the time when I'm like doing chores around my house or taking care of things or whatever it may be. So like that for me, like auditory experiences, like is a thing. However, those are one way. Right? It's someone talking at me and telling me and letting me into a scenario. Social audio is a whole niche specific thing. And I feel like I remember when Clubhouse came out, like my biggest beef with it was because I don't have time for this because I can't like multitask through this very well. But there's so much FOMO around it as well. And it was like this whole thing. So now I think that the popularity has vastly died down. And it has become very niche. I think that literally it's like, if that's like your vibe, if you're jam, like go for it. If you were thinking about it, I would say, hey, you should also find a way to repurpose that content in a different way by turning it into a pod or turning it in or recording it as a video as well so that you can like have that video experience to share with people so you could clip it and turn it into stuff. Because if I'm going to pick between audio and video, I will pick video every day.
1: Ooh, okay. So that is a great segue into my next topic here. Speaking about video, you know, Desiree, that at the beginning of this month, YouTube officially started their monetization of shorts. So yes. for those of y'all who are not aware, uh, as of February 1st, if you're a short creator on YouTube and your primary content is YouTube shorts, you now have a way into YouTube partner program.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: and that way is you have to have 1,000 subscribers and get 10 million short views in 90 days. So now shorts are monetize. And if you were already in a part of the program, now any short that you have done is eligible to be monetized. So, yeah, they're right. Yes. What are your thoughts on short form content?
2: So, I am a different creator than most people, I think, when they come to creator. And I like, even with vidIQ, like on the live streams on this pod, a lot of the creator content is around things that are usually entertainment focused and gaming focused. I am neither of those. I focus on social media, and it's very much solving problems around that. Talking to business owners and professionals, and so it—it's one of those things for me. Like shorts is a great way to do it. Like I have a buddy named Austin, and he has had phenomenal success for his agency, Social T Pros, and he creates so many. Pot- I think he has like he's built his YouTube channel with over five hundred thousand subscribers on shorts, repurposing TikToks. And so I think that it's a great option if that's what you want to create for. How I use shorts is I work with a company called Content Minis, which is owned and headed by Shelly Nathan from Shelly Saves the Day, one of my favorite women creators. And she takes my long form YouTube videos and turns them into short form content that we then repurpose onto our YouTube channel. Now, when you're repurposing, I think it's important to note that we're not just taking a clip. And uploading it, we're doing stuff to it to make it engaging for said platform. So one of the things that I talk about all the time and that my agency with social media does is we're going to probably have a pretty solid repurposing strategy for what we're doing. So we're going to create something like for TikTok or Instagram reels, and then put it in other places. However, we're going to make sure that we're playing the rules of those platforms individually. So like what your message is in a TikTok video is not the same message that you would use an Instagram reel or Facebook reel or a Pinterest pin or even a YouTube short. So when I'm repurposing my long form YouTube videos, we're not just taking the clips, like we're editing them down. So they talk a little bit faster. We put the text on the screen. We add in some B-rolls and pop-ins for emojis and graphics and stuff to make them more appealing for the shorts platform because There's creating for the long form YouTube part. And then there's creating YouTube shorts and how we as viewers consume that content differently. And so it's really important to make sure that what you're creating for those places is for that viewer's experience. When I'm on shorts, I want a shorts experience, not a long form experience.
1: So you have stated that you are about social media and building a business and making money. Yes. So in your opinion, where does short form content play into the ability for creators to make revenue. Do you think it's a good way for them to do that or?
2: You should never be using AdSense as any kind of like reliable sort of income. For me I okay so like this month so far on shorts I have made $8.08 off of my shorts and I have had I don't know what my views are at right now but like it's not a lot of money like I can can go to Starbucks and buy a drink. (laughs) Woohoo right? And even from an AdSense perspective, like my ad revenue on my platform, because I do talk to business owners, I have a higher CPM. So my CPM usually is between 25 and 30 bucks. Ooh. And so, yeah. So like last month in January, my ad revenue was $867.45. And I, that was off of, I think, 70,000 views on my YouTube channel. But a gaming channel that has 70,000 views probably is going to make maybe 100 bucks, if not less, right? Every channel is different. So it really depends on your, your vertical. So what I do with my AdSense money is it gets reinvested into stuff for the channel. Like We have a custom thumbnail company we use called customthumbnails.com. I invested in the content minis to help that grow. I have a YouTube editing software. So it helps offset those costs so we can perform and create better content. But the main money drivers for my YouTube channel come from the agency, sponsorships, affiliates. I work with a company that takes my educational content, strips the YouTube parts, and then sells it to like educational institutions around the world. I make money off of that. I'm able to qualify for creator programs because of my YouTube program, and I make money off of that. I actually just did a podcast that Piper, you can totally link to the show notes. That's how much money I made as a content creator last wow. year. And I made over a hundred thousand dollars talking about YouTube and I'm a YouTube educator. I have 36,000 subscribers, like just for context. So if I can do it and I have kids and a husband with PTSD and a mortgage and all the things so I can do, it, you can do it. <laughs> it takes time and patience systems like crazy, but you can do it. So we're talking about shorts and making money from shorts. I think it's too soon to know what the potential is for shorts and making money off of them. But I also think I hold firm to AdSense should not be any kind of main income stream for anybody.
1: Okay, so let's piggyback off of that then. You are a social media marketer. Your whole thing is building businesses and helping people make money. So besides the actual AdSense itself, what are some ways that creators should be thinking about making money? Because obviously if you're a new creator on YouTube, you are not going to be eligible for the partner program anyway, Right. but that doesn't mean you can't make money. Right. That's right.
2: Correct. So I think some really easy low hanging fruit ways to start making money as a creator. First and foremost is sign up for affiliate programs. Now you can qualify for affiliate programs, whether it's like from Amazon or target or Walmart, those usually have have a certain amount of followers on any given platform. But you also could like reach out to tools and things that you use that you can talk about in your content. Like, like I just want to sign up for the affiliate program. Like VidIQ has an affiliate program. You could sign up for the VidIQ affiliate program, get twenty percent every month that someone signs up and pays for service. It's not a lot. Like you can get probably like anywhere from like two to six dollars. I think like a month. But if you get $10, $20, 50 of those, like it adds up, and it's really it's really nice and handy. The second thing I want you to do is go get merch. Like you should be creating merch. Like sell your own merch, rep your own brand, your own sayings, your own stuff. Like for me, it's shirts that are like start, suck, get better. Social media simplified period with the T at the end. Like we're emphasizing that. Take action now. You can create merch around phrases that you say and things that you do and things that kind of you created within your community that you do. You can go to Spreadshop and sign up for free and it's print on demand merch. So it's like you design it. You can design for free in Canva or Adobe Express. Your logos, your text, whatever it is, export it, and then import it into Spreadshop. And Spreadshop, you can create hoodies, t-shirts, hats, bandanas, cups, mugs, all of the things, stickers, and sell them in the store is free. And they make money off of every sale that you get. So if you sell 10 shirts, I think it's like a, a, um, you have the split. like You pay their cost for the shirt, and then you get the rest of the profit off of it. So you get to mark up your costs. They offer a lot of sales and discounts that they send you every month too, like this month's President's Day sale. You can promote that to for your merch store and you can add it to your YouTube channel um, as a merch circuit spreadshop as a YouTube partner. And then my third one for you is gonna be you wanna start selling a digital product of some kind. So everybody can teach someone something that has to do with their business, or they can give them something to make their life easier. So for me, I have a digital product that I just launched that is 50 Instagram Reel templates that you can use. So in Instagram Reels, there's a template feature and it's like where someone has edited like a number of media, like 10, 8, 2 like graphics and it's time to music. So I have put all of those together. I put a tutorial on how they can do it and I'm charging 27 bucks for it. You can sell a couple every day and it'd be good. So obviously what I do is education so is a little different. So like if vidIQ wanted to sell some of this, they could probably sell like thumbnail templates or they could do like a 100 video game title themes that you could do or keywords you could use for every video game you make, whatever. If you're a video game creator, you could do guides, cheat books, how to stuff, downloadable skins. Like there are so many things that you can sell digitally. You can create a course, you can create a product, you can give things away, you can create lists and stuff. Like there are so many things you can do. You can host them, On a .com that you've paid for, you can do it through like Etsy, like Etsy stores. Again, it's the same thing with Spreadshop. A percentage goes to them, a percentage goes to you and it has automatic delivery for it. So that's how I would get started. And I think that those are three things any kind of channel can do, whether you're gaming or service or entertainment or whatever. Those are three things that anybody can do to start making some money.
1: That is awesome. Thank you for that. So I also want to ask you, being a person that is into generating revenue with your content, what are some of the misconceptions that you think creators have about their ability to make money off their content?
2: Oh, that the AdSense is enough money to live off. <laughs> oh Lord. Like AdSense is only good if you have reached over a certain amount. So again, using Jessica Sansbury as an example, she did a, a really funny reel that just like lit up her people where she talked about how much YouTube paid her last year in 2022 from YouTube content. Now she has over a hundred thousand subscribers. She's actually about to hit 200. She's at like 190 something thousand subscribers. She's got like a certain number of views month. She's in the business space. And she was like, I think she averaged somewhere between like $7,500 a month in YouTube AdSense for her YouTube channel that she can live off of. But when you're starting or you're in gaming or entertainment or comedy or tech, your AdSense is crap because You have to think about from an advertiser's perspective. The people that advertise on like gaming content, tech content, all that stuff, like they're like the broad strokes. They're the Mountain Dews and Dorito chips and M and M's and random games of the world, where they are like doing a crap ton, but their cost per click and their cost per acquisition is totally different. So like, how much Doritos or Coke or any beverage company makes when someone buys a product is pennies, right? It's like it's like a dollar for a powerade or whatever, and like they get such a small fraction. So it's literally blanket marketing. Versus with me with business stuff, they know people that have businesses like have homes and and they have a higher cost fraction. So like they know like if QuickBooks was to sign up as an advertiser on YouTube and they advertise them. they know that they're going to be getting a minimum of fifty to one hundred dollars a month from someone that signs up there. So they pay more for that really specific targeted person. So you really have to think, now I do know creators where 90% of their income does come from AdSense. And it's so harder for them when YouTube makes changes or things happen or economies tank and like advertising is down right now because of the economy and stuff. So like they're struggling, they're trying to find other ways to make money and do other things. And it's where they're leaning into the Patreons and the digital products and the merches now or sponsorships so that they can cover those costs. But the biggest lie anyone I think is, is that YouTube and even other creator fund programs like are enough money when it's not, unless you've hit certain milestones.
1: I think that is very good advice for people to follow. YouTube ads is definitely not it especially as a newer creator. So investigate, research and find other avenues to generate revenue. We have a bunch of that information on the YouTube channel, on the podcast, in the particular podcast. So if you want to make money as a creator, it's possible. Go out there and get it done.
2: And I think if you join VidIQ Max, you have a recorded session for me where I was like 12 ways you can yep. make money. There you go. You can go watch that and I break down much more detail much better examples, some how-tos in there of like what you should be doing to help you. And I know that everyone really likes that one.
1: Absolutely. If you are not a member of vidIQ Max, you can go check it out at vidIQ.com. That is our group coaching program where we have a private Discord community that creators can come to and talk about their struggles and their successes. And we have people and guest speakers like Desiree that come in and give sessions about growth and revenue and different things like that. So you should definitely be checking out vidIQ Max if you're not already. So I'll get you out of here on this, Desiree. (laughs) <laughs> we okay. had a major YouTube event happen last week and I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. Okay. After 25 years at Google and nine years as the head of YouTube, Susan Wojcicki steps down as CEO. Your thoughts?
2: I think it's time. Okay, so I have a lot of thoughts about this. Okay. One, I am super sad to see a woman at such a high position at such a dominating brand step away. Like it's like, it's sort of like we're losing one of our own, right? It's kind of like right. that, I think, feeling. But I love that the person that's accessing her is like her mentee who's been by her side and doing stuff. So there's a continuation. And hopefully he brings in his new stuff. I've always had a bit of a problem, a struggle with YouTube as a whole is that YouTube doesn't practice what they preach. Like, there's like, I know there's a YouTube YouTube channel, but it's like this unofficial creator thing. I never understood why like Susan didn't do like a monthly live stream talking about what's happening, I mean, especially once the guy from Instagram started doing it where he does the little reels on a regular basis where he's educating people like Adam, like what's going on in, on Instagram now and what they're doing. We're paying attention. I always was like, why aren't you doing this, Susan? Why aren't you connecting with people and sharing what's going on, like coming from you? I think it'd be more personable and stuff. But I honestly like I think you always need to change out new leadership in any company organization because they bring in new perspectives, new ideas. I also think there's some music for younger leadership as well, because when you have new blood come in, they're more tapped into like what people need and what's relevant and like what's going on. And I think that applies to all areas of everything from government down to small
1: business. I know you say that you wish that Susan would have did more of the upfront video like moments with creators and I think she was more of a behind the scenes person in that way because I know she traveled to different creator cities and things and met with them one-on-one. And you've had different employees of YouTube do videos and things like that. I know uh, the chief business officer that I just left Richard Kaiko, I think his name was. But he was doing a series about shorts and different things like that. And then they also have the creator Liaison, who is now Renee Ritchie, who we've had on the podcast. I think he is the face for a creator from a YouTube perspective. So they do have that stuff in place, but I think at the CEO level, yeah, you're, you're probably not going to get that. Although I do think that Neil will be more out in front like that. To your point, because he's already doing a, the circuit and things like that, so he's going to be out there.
2: Yeah, I think that that's like again part of the natural progression. Like I think like one of my favorite TikTok creators right now is one of the Democratic House representatives for North Carolina, and he's literally like, I'm going to use this platform that I use to help me get elected. I'm going to educate you about like what I'm doing and like what I'm learning as a freshman congressman, right? Like I sort of that idea, like it's like where I think we are going, like we need more transparency and insider thoughts and like hearing from the boss. Like, I have preached for years. The awesomeest thing in the world about social media is accessibility. People become a part of our lives and feel like we know them even if we don't like people that watch the weekly live streams. Of it, I think they probably feel like they know you and Dan and Rob. They know me a little bit you know, and that kind of stuff. And so they're like, we're like friends to them and like reassuring trusting minds. But, you know, from like a leadership perspective, like people want to know all the different areas and parts. And so when like leadership can step in and, and present, especially like when you are on like, it's talking about YouTube as a video platform, like you should be doing video like at least once a month, like it's not hard to do a live stream. And so I, I'm glad that like this, the new person will be will be using the tool that they're leading on.
1: She did have the blog, though. I mean, I think once in a month she would put out a blog. But like I said, that's not, that's not video, though. But she did put out a blog.
2: She did. Yeah, and I think she could have easily done her video, her blog. I said, I have all the respect in the world for her. No complaints. That's just something I would have liked to see. Understandable. But it just everyone, each their own. But I said, she'll be missed. I, I mean, she got the company this far, and I'm looking forward to seeing where her protege takes it next.
1: Absolutely. I think that she got a lot of undue hatred on her way out and it was really disheartening to see that on her posts on social media.
2: Everyone's mad at tech yeah. right now. Like the tech space is on a journey. Like I like like Facebook's like there's a whole bunch of like Congress taking on big tech and, and they're gonna meta's gonna be laying off more people. All of tech's in a rough space right now. And I think that this is the first time that social media is gonna be faced with hardship for its first time in its young twelve to fifteen years.
1: Yeah, like I was saying before, I feel like Susan got a lot of hate on her way out, but I don't think a lot of creatives realize that if it wasn't for Susan, you wouldn't have YouTube today as you know it. And that's something that you don't want. So you should be thanking her for creating the platform that we have today because without her, we're not here. So right. give her her due respect. Desiree Martinez, always a pleasure having you on the podcast, ma'am. Thank you so, so much. Appreciate you.
2: Thank you. I'm glad. And guys. If you want more podcasts, to listen to Women of Video does with the too. We talk about women YouTube creators, and their journeys, and how they create and do stuff.
1: Absolutely. And again, I will have all Desiree's information in the show notes. So definitely go down there, check it out. And again, remember, her Women of Video virtual event is happening in a few weeks. So definitely go sign up for that if you have not already. And for your boy Viper, you know me. I'll be here next week with another episode of Tube Talk presented by Vid. I.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk, brought to you by vidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash Tube Talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video-making day.